The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus, said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, With the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. No one likes to be on the outside looking in. It's perhaps pretty close to the baseline of the human condition, that no one likes to be on the outside looking in. To partially illustrate the point, I draw on my great resource, going to Pete's. It just so happened this morning, I rolled up. It was still dark outside, it being October and all, and the dawn is coming later each morning. I roll up, and there is a man sitting at his computer on the bench right outside Pete's. Pull up into the parking space right in front of him. I get out of the car, and the first words out of his mouth are, Could you please turn out your lights? Or maybe they turn themselves off, he added. It was very clear I was being given a directive 
And so my first impulse was to get on the defensive. I'm just picking up the coffee, I said. That's all I'm doing. And then I turned around rather grumpily and turned off the lights, went in, picked up the coffee, rolled up here on Lovell. And as I came up Lovell and began to get ready to park, I looked at the console and it turned out the brights were on. So they had been shining directly in his face. Even though this tape had been playing in my head, like, would you like me to move the coffee shop three inches to the left for you? you know? so our encounters with Southern Marin entitlement, you know. No one wants to be on the outside looking in. And perhaps more to the point, no one wants to be forced into a sense of servitude or being servile, right? Particularly with a stranger we've never met who suddenly makes a demand of us, even if it is a small thing on a dark morning in Mill Valley. Our readings this morning come from the very foundation of our tradition. It's hard to overstate that, actually. That passage we heard from Isaiah was the go-to for our earliest spiritual ancestors in the Christian tradition who were wrestling with what is the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion and this experience that we have come to call the resurrection and Easter. So anytime I hear that passage, I imagine thousands, if not tens of thousands of theologians sharpening their quills and breaking out their pens, and these days breaking out their laptops and getting ready to put words to paper or pixel. Because this is where it's at. If you want to talk about the basics of what it means to be Christian, what is the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection after all? Mark, the earliest of the canonical gospels that we have, boils this thing down to a single verse. The Son of Man, that is Jesus, using a phrase referring back to an apocalyptic book, Daniel. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve. Give his life a ransom. For many. In the context of Mark's gospel, we have this sense in the chapters that lead up to us that it has been a pitched spiritual battle between the demons, the forces of evil, the forces of illness, and the forces that draw the human family away from God, and this inbreaking reign of God in Jesus. We translate it often as the kingdom of God, but it came up in study this week. What does that word kingdom really mean? Because when we hear it, what do we think of? We think of a land with borders often, maybe a people around a king. We're Americans, we don't like kings, but that's a whole different conversation, right? So we've inherited this language, but we think of a jurisdiction or a country even. That may not be the most helpful translation into English for us. If you go back to the Greek and probably the Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke, 
the word tends to mean more about the activity of the king. So a better word for us might be the reign, R-E-I-G-N, the activity of God in our midst. In Mark, the kingdom is not out there somewhere to be found. And we're not here searching for our passport to get into heaven. The kingdom is literally breaking in to our lives. The reign of God is breaking into our hearts and into our relationships and into this community and into the communities we serve all of the time. And so in Mark, there's this lengthy discourse between Jesus and his disciples and other people who come in and out of the narrative about what that means and how do we get on board with that process. And so we're into a series of readings these weeks that ask the question, okay, the reign of God is here, now how do I get in? Remember last week, for those of you who were here, it was a transactional question about the righteous man who comes to Jesus and says, how can I inherit eternal life? What must I do is actually how he asks it. How can I earn this is what he's actually saying. And Jesus tells him something radical, as much as he loves him, about giving away what he has to gain the treasure of the reign of God. And he goes away grieving because he is possessed of his possessions. And then the disciples are bewildered because Jesus says how difficult it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom. And if you remember, in Jesus' context, the wealthy were considered favored by God. The poor were not. So if the poor can't get in and the wealthy can't get in, the disciples' question is obvious. Well, then who? Who then? But the subtext is that Jesus is telling his followers, you don't get it. This is not a transaction. This is not a quid pro quo. In fact, Mark has been telegraphing to us all along that the reign of God is breaking in breaking and entering almost. As though our whole notion of propriety and boundaries is being overridden by our God. And we're meant to be a little bit, or a lot, scandalized by this. Nobody likes to be on the outside looking in. This is the fear that drives the whole of today's gospel. John and James come to Jesus and they do something that takes a lot of chutzpah. Our Yiddish brothers and sisters might remind us, you know. They say, hey, you know, give us the top two seats when you come into your glory, please. You know? That way we'll know we're on the inside. Jesus tells him, you don't know what you're asking for. And then he says, you know, will you be able to drink the drink that I have to drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? 
hint, hint, the crucifixion? You willing to go that far with me? Oh yeah, sure, they say. We'll all find out before the end of the gospel how that works out for them, but that's a story for another time. But what's driving this whole conversation is the fact that they're afraid they're going to be left out. And the other ten disciples are upset with James and John, not because they're feeling righteous, but because James and John have just tipped the hand. This conversation has probably been going on amongst all twelve of them. They've been trying to work out a pecking order the whole time. You never do this, do you? Try to figure out who's at the center of things and who's in charge. We do this all the time. It's basic mammalian behavior. Just ask the dogs, right? Just ask the dogs. My little dog at home is always looking at me because he thinks I'm the alpha. Little does he know I am not the alpha in our household. Jesus says this is the whole wrong way of thinking about the inbreaking of the reign of God. It's, the, it's completely backwards. And he drives the point home by telling his disciples, this is not how things work. This is not about us lording it over each other and figuring out who's on top, who's the best, who's the greatest, and who's at the center. And of course, that always means who's going to be left out looking in. No, Jesus says, rather the greatest one among you is the one who serves. And this is the example that I have come to set, he tells them even if it means death on the cross. Now, true to form, in Mark's gospel, the disciples still won't get it. That's normal. The hard thing for us is we really don't get it either, although we try. That's why there's those tens of thousands of theologians breaking out their quills and breaking out their computers and putting ink to paper, letters to pixels. Because we live in a world where we're always still wondering if we're going to be left out. Left outside, looking in. But in fact, the call for us is to open our hearts and our hands to serve. then we will find ourselves inside, inside the reign of God. More than that, we will look around and find a whole lot of folk with us, including people we probably wouldn't expect, people who have been forgotten, people who have been on the outside for such a long time, they don't know what it's like to be on the inside anymore. And then we look around and realize there's no one on the outside anymore. The reign of God has welcomed everyone in to this life of serving and offering ourselves a living sacrifice for the love that God has sent 
to bring healing to a world that so desperately needs it. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.